0: Welcome to the Generation Y Podcast. My name is Will and I'm Jean and this is a podcast and a community designed to help young adults thrive.
1: Because young adulting is hard and we just want to help. So today we're picking up part two of our money edition episode in a new series we've started called things I didn't learn in school.
0: So if you haven't listened to part one of this episode make sure you go back and do that where Dr. Stephen Kuzniak talks a little bit about credit and debt and in this episode He's gonna teach us all how to be stock tycoons as we're talking a little bit about saving and investments. Enjoy. So, Stephen, I imagine there's some of us that are also in a place in our life now where we're saying, okay, uh, I've got rid of my debt. Or maybe I've got a manageable enough debt that I can actually start saving. And the goal, actually, I can even start investing. So I want to talk about both of those together, saving and investing. Now, you mentioned at at the beginning of this conversation, some buckets and percentages. And you said, hey, you want to save maybe 20%. Um, I want to talk about where that percentage comes from, how much it should be. So first, what percentage should we be saving? How do we start doing that? And then let's talk a little bit about investing. Oh,
2: man. I love it. I wish everybody would ask me that question. <laughs> that's, my, that's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> um, and so I love this question. I think I have a, maybe a non-traditional answer to it. So okay. um, people ask every every day I get asked the question, you know, how much should I be saving? And um, I love my response. My favorite response to that is, uh, you know, First of all, it's kind of what do you want to do, but how flexible do you want your life to be? That's that's the way I like to describe that. Somebody asked me how how much should they save? I say, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish with life? How much flexibility do you want to have? Um, similarly, when it comes to retirement, which is the kind of the popular savings goal or house, um, it's kind of like how big of a house do you want? How much do you want to spend on a house? How much do you want to save for retirement? Sure. Uh, for me, one of the big things that I wanted was financial flexibility. Um, and so, if you uh, you know, if someone's 25 and uh, they work from 25 to 65, and they save between 12 and 15 percent of their income with Social Security, they're going to approximately replace their income. That's a really back of the napkin. But I knew for me, um, I knew that um, even starting out, one of the things that I was really concerned with, I'm uh, not concerned with, just my wife and I had the conversation. We weren't even married at the time. We were just talking about our lifestyle and how we wanted to structure it. And she told me that, you know, when we had kids that she would consider, you know, her mom was a stay at home mom. She was like, you know, I wouldn't mind having the flexibility to possibly stay home when we have kids. And so even when we started out, you know, newly married, we both had jobs. We didn't have any kids. Um, you know, we we took our income and we we uh, we saved basically half our income. We just took right. uh, we lived off my income and we didn't we didn't um, we just saved whatever she was making. So when the time came, we did have kids. Uh, we would have the flexibility there. So our our savings rate was very high, you know, at 50% plus, but that was because our goals were, were very specific.
0: Yeah. That's something that my my brother and his wife, so they did something very similar. Um, and they took this, you know, they used to live in Switzerland, right? And they both worked for a long time. They both had no kids at the time. And then they told me they were just going to take the next six months and just travel the world. They're like, yeah, we're gonna go, and we're just we're just gonna go to Antarctica. We're gonna go climb Mount Everest uh, to the base camp wow. of Everest. We're gonna go to Iceland. We're gonna go to Machu Picchu, like all this kind of stuff. And I was sitting there, and I was like, how? How are you gonna afford all of this? You're gonna not work for six months, and you're gonna spend thousands of dollars. And his response was exactly what you just said. He said, the whole time we've been living here, we've been living off of one income and saving the others. And so now we can spend six months traveling the world, which is something that a lot of us, I think a lot of us think that that's something that's unattainable. Like there's no way we could ever afford to do that. But the way that you put it, it's actually pretty simple. If you actually just put into practice some of this stuff and you're disciplined with it, it leads to so much freedom on the other side.
1: I am curious though, for for our listeners who are single, um, because yeah. we just got married, what, oh you don't remember our anniversary Um, our eight month
0: anniversary is was yesterday Oh, you're
1: cute um so i've realized it's much easier to save now that we have two incomes but i remember how hard it was to save all through my 20s with a single income so how would you suggest for our single listeners how did they determine their savings when it's just their income oh
2: fantastic yeah that's a great question um I would say, you know, it's interesting. I think in some ways it's much harder to save as a single person. And in some ways it can be a little bit easier. Certain components are easier. The one thing that's nice about being single is you get to choose how your family is. You know, if you don't like to play golf, you don't have to put that in your budget. Or, you know, if you don't want to drive a car. So I think one thing that is um, really neat about being single is the control. You Mm -hmm. have basically full control. And I know a lot of couples have a lot of different ways you can manage money together, separate. There's a lot of different ways to structure that. Uh, But one thing that is um, that you pointed out that makes a big difference is uh, certainly just as a household, um, it can be very expensive to operate a household as a single individual. You know, when you're not splitting, a lot of people go from college when they're splitting, you know, with three or four roommates and then they go to move to a big city and all of a sudden they have a studio apartment and they're. You know their utilities. Their you know mm-hmm. they do cable or internet, their cell phone. All these and it's things is nine
0: like million dollars a month. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And so um I think one of the things, especially for people who are younger and if they can can handle it, I think any way you can find the kind of a, a co living situation that's healthy. Right.
0: Sure.
2: Um Not necessarily. It could be you know it's not like necessarily with your boyfriend or girlfriend that kind of thing. Though that could be a, a way to do it. But if you have roommates like you did in college, but just having a setup where um you can share those baseline expenses um, can be a big part of that uh, just splitting yeah. the cost of those um and then I think the same thing actually a lot of the same principles hold true understanding kind of what goals you have um you know how how is what is it going to take to get you as a percentage of your income you can basically make the same choices um as a single person it can just be harder when you're trying to have all those expenses as an individual so yeah. trying to think right. yeah spread those out can be um expanded I and the You know, someone's used. If you're used to having three roommates or four roommates, uh, maybe you go down to one roommate, and the longer you can hang in there with, you know, if they're crazy um, that can just dramatically
0: reduce. I'll tell you what, cost. nothing motivates you to make money more than having a roommate that you yeah, <laughs> struggle then, to then live with. Yeah, than bad roommate I'm telling you, having bad roommates is like so the most motivating. motivating thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a million dollars a year. So I, so I can put, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a job
1: you. I hate just so I can get out of before
0: here. We, before we got married, one of the things that we were most excited about, this is not a joke. I was like, when we get married, we are setting the thermostat on whatever temperature so we want. I was like, it's, it's going to be, be
1: so cold. It's going to be an
0: ice box. We in
1: prioritize. Here. We're like, I won't buy, I won't buy any new clothes for a year. But we are keeping the thermostat on sixty-eight year <laughs> round.
0: <laughs> okay, so soon let's talk a little. Awesome. To-
2: spending right there that's
0: right <laughs> yeah. like we budgeted priorities listen if you keep your house at 75 you're a serial killer i just don't understand it i don't i don't get it okay let's talk about some of these saving tools for a second things like 401ks things like uh iras that's kind of more of an investing tool but i want to talk about those for a second let's start with 401ks yeah, what is it tell us what 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 <laughs> is, what is a, it what is it you... is it real <laughs> <laughs> It's like
2: this magical word that everybody, it's kind of like a Roth IRA and a 401k. It's like this magical term right. that everybody like talks about and no one actually knows what it is. You walk into a pizza no place clue. and you're like,
0: can I pay with my 401k? They're <laughs> <laughs> like, so "No, nope. When you're
2: 59 and a half, you can't <laughs> Okay. That's um, good to know. So I'm just no, writing actually, that
0: down 59 actually, and a half. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, that's a great question. This is super common because a lot of people that graduate, they're like, oh, I've heard of a 401k. I should probably sign up for that, but I don't even know what that is. Mm So a 401k and a Roth IRA or IRA, which stands for Individual Retirement Account, uh, basically what those are just tax preferred savings vehicles the government set up to basically incentivize us or to help us save for retirement. Um, A lot of countries throughout the world have a very robust pension system and we have you know social security we have that in place but we also um, the expectation from society is that we supplement the uh, the social security system with our our savings and so the government has set up several different tax preferred vehicles to make that easier for individuals are you saying preferred
1: private, or deferred
2: uh tax preferred
1: preferred and maybe deferred because
2: there's a couple of different ways to structure it but uh, a 401k essentially is as a vehicle that um, there's two types. Uh, There's a Roth and a traditional, both in the 401k world and the IRA world. This is pretty confusing terminology, but anytime you go to invest in a retirement savings vehicle, whether it's a Roth IRA or a 401k, you have two choices. You can either do Roth money or traditional money. And essentially on Roth side, basically what happens is you earn money, you pay taxes, and then you invest. So you earn money, you pay taxes, and then you invest. Once you invest, the money grows, and ideally over many years, and then whenever you're ready to take the money out, you have a tax-free distribution, you pay no more taxes. Right. The traditional side, you earn the money, you invest it, it grows, and then whenever you are ready to use the money, you pay taxes then. Um, so in a Roth, you're earning money, you're paying taxes, and then investing. In a traditional, you're earning money, investing, and then whenever you get older, when you're 59, at that point, when you take the money out of your 401k, that's when you pay taxes.
0: Would would one mm-hmm. of those yield a, a better tax rate?
2: That's a great question. So most people, that's pretty, one of the confusing parts when they start investing. They're like, oh, wow, there's so many choices. Uh, I can do a rob. And they get really confused and it's almost paralysis. It's like, sure. oh, gosh, there's so many choices. I just, I don't know how to do it. Um, and so... The, the kind of the rule of thumb there is like all things, you know, there's some nuance to it. Uh, but for most people, um, for for younger individuals, if people expect their tax rate to be lower now than it is in the future or in retirement, then it often makes sense to go ahead and pay the taxes now and invest. So if someone's just starting out, they're at a very low tax rate and they want to invest, then the Roth is the most common, recommenda- most common recommendation. So if sure. someone's young, if you're making, you know, now, and you expect, you know, in the future, you're going to make significantly more than that, then you're just like, okay, well, my taxes are very low now. It makes sense to go ahead and pay the taxes, invest the money after I pay taxes, and then it's tax-free in the future. Uh, Once somebody gets to a higher income earning potential, or maybe they get further in their career, they start to earn more and more money. Um, And often towards the end of somebody's career, it often makes sense to switch to more traditional where you're getting the tax break uh, immediately. If your tax rate is is higher than it will be in the future, you wanna take the tax social now, the traditional. If it's lower, if your tax rate's lower than you expect it to be in the future, then the Roth often makes the most sense.
0: Steven, there was a, a, a time in, I mean, just anecdotally, a time in our life when we were a uh, single income, you know, a uh, single income family, and we had a lot of expenses, and there were times um, when it was like, hey, I just don't know that this is the best time for us to start putting money into a 401k or an a roth or ira um so when would you recommend to somebody hey at this point this is when you should start investing
1: yeah would you even recommend people doing it right now like in this season where the pandemic still has a lot of people out of work
2: two great questions and i'll, I'll address those individually i think the the tricky part is all the all the kind of the talking heads on tv or on the books will say oh yeah everybody if your income's low invest in a raw and then everybody has like just starting out they're like great but i have no money
0: right, <laughs> right. Like, right. yeah
2: like, yeah it's low but i have no money but so, i've eaten um, peanut butter I'm sandwiches yeah yeah so that's kind of the catch-22 of it it's really hard because it's like oh great you know go ahead and invest early and invest, you know when you're super young, invest and then all the people that are super young are like, great, but I've got student loan debt and I got some cards and I just had a lot of expenses. Right. I just moved to a new city. And um, and so it's that's the big challenge. So the first question is when to start. Um, I think certainly the first step is kind of getting that emergency fund set up, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting with a few hundred dollars, maybe a few thousand dollars, uh, getting it set up to the point where you have ideally a few months worth of expenses kind of set aside. Um, where you don't have to, you can set them aside and uh, in case you lose a job, in case you have a stumbling income, it can kind of protect you there. Because the last thing you want to do is go invest a bunch of money. And then as soon as you invest it, uh, probably at the worst time, the market's going (laughs) to crash. You have to pull it out to use it. So having a little bit of buffer between you and life is kind of the first stage of investing. The second thing is trying to figure out, okay, should I pay off debt or start to invest? Mm -hmm. Um, the first thing is look at kind of the type of debt. If it's really high interest debt, a lot of the credit cards. Um, you know, I don't know how many your your audience would have like payday loans or any super high interest debt. But any kind of super high interest debt, anything over ten percent at this stage of of time would be like that's the hair on fire. Got to attack <laughs> that. Um, like, all right, and everything. Like, let's let's focus. Let's get rid of the the really the really the worst types of debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of gets to the point you say, okay, well. I've kind of cleared out the debt. Maybe you've got some credit card or got some uh, some student loans on IBR income based repayment. Um, for a lot of people, they have. If you have access to a four hundred one k at work, a lot of them have matching programs to help incentivize right. nation. So um, a lot of places, if you put money into it, they'll give you some type of match. So you put in five percent, they may put in two uh, percent or five percent or some kind of match. A common one, would you would put in three percent, they would put in three percent. So for a lot of super young investors who get a job that has a 401k match, that's the perfect first step, um, is to figure out if you have a 401k, what the match is, and at least start there. Uh, The next step is trying to figure out, okay, well, what are my goals? What am I trying to achieve? You know, maybe hitting that 10 or 15% of your income could be a next step there. Um, So it's trying to identify, hey, where do you want to get to? Um, And then you, you get your emergency fund set up. Maybe pay off some of the worst debt if you have that. Uh, you may you may still want to invest a little bit as you have student loans, but certainly if you have a 401k match, that's kind of the first place to go. The Roth IRA would be a popular second place to go. And then,
0: Stephen, how liquid is that money uh, through the, the yeah. IRA and the 401k? And again, explain it like I'm five, Meaning liquid meaning, uh, can you take that money out? Is there a penalty for taking it out and how long before you can use it?
2: Absolutely. Great question as well. So one thing to know about um, IRAs and 401ks, they have heavy tax benefits. So one of the things that the government has set up is they've tried to make it where people at least hang on to the money or make it more complicated to get to until someone reaches a more traditional retirement age. Currently, that's set up at 59 and a half in the US. If you have international listeners, it may be a little different. Uh, But one of the big questions people have is, okay, great. Well, I'll put money into my 401k. What happens if I have an emergency?
1: Right. Um,
2: uh, in general, it's very difficult to get money out of a 401k. Some have loan provisions or you can borrow money from yourself or you can take a distribution um, in some cases, but you generally get taxed and you get a penalty on top of that. Uh, a Roth IRA, on the other hand, if you put money into a Roth IRA, one of the cool features is that you can actually take the money that you put into it back out at any time. So if you put $5,000 into a Roth IRA, um, you can invest the money in there, but you can at any point always take out your initial $5,000 contribution at any point. So that's really? kind of a lesser known feature that most people don't know I actually about do Roth. Not have. Now, now, the bad part there is once you take the money out, you can't put it back in. So if you uh, have $5,000 in a Roth and a few years later, you need that money for something, you can pull the money out. But after you pull the money out, you can't go back and, like, make your contribution for, like, three years ago. So that's one of the downsides. Right, uh, right. So
1: you're starting over again.
2: Yeah, and you can, and now the, the neat part is if you put $5,000 into a Roth IRA and 10 years from now it's grown to $10,000, um, you can always take out that $5,000. But if you wanted to take out that growth, you may have a penalty there.
0: Gotcha. So, Stephen, so with the few uh, minutes we have remaining, one thing I want to hit on real quickly is uh, um, the topic of investment, not just in savings, but also now putting money back into the market uh, in some ways. What would you recommend is the best way for people to start doing that?
2: I love this question. To become
0: stock tycoons. Yeah,
2: so everybody, you know, pick our favorite company and put all our money into it, right? That's the popular thing, Mm Yeah. No, it's it's funny. Um, A few years ago, all my students were asking about Bitcoin. Um, That was like the popular question I would get every week. Um, Then it became Tesla. And I think right now it's like Amazon is what everybody's asking. It changes every month, you know, whatever the hot stock is. But um, philosophically, I come from a very academic perspective in this. Um, And so what I like to do um, personally, how I invest and how I recommend most students and clients invest are what are called mutual funds or index funds. So index funds are kind of my go-to um, my go-to investment. And uh, what an index fund is, uh, this can be kind of a pretty complicated thing, but I'll try to make it relatively simple. The easiest way to think about an index fund, and my favorite is the total stock market index. Um, there's a lot of different companies that offer that, but essentially the idea here would be um, – a company would go and buy a little piece of every company in the US or the world depending on how you wanted it and they would put it all in one basket and you would just own a really small portion of every company in the whole country or in the whole world you can go buy that for a little a share of that for anywhere from 30 30 dollars i think is kind of the starting price for index funds and essentially you own a really microscopic piece of every of every um, you know every company that's publicly traded in the US or, or the world if you wanted a total total world. So um, to me, most places, um, if you go to your 401k, uh, that's a really popular option, a total stock market index. Uh, Vanguard is probably one of the most popular companies for this. They're super low cost. There are not a lot of fees involved. And a, a total stock market index or S&P 500 is a perfect place to start investing. And the benefit
0: Sorry, I was just saying, on the benefit of that too is that it's low risk, right? Because if you, uh, instead of putting all of your money in one stock, uh, uh, putting all of your money on one horse, so to speak, right, you're basically just spreading that out and it's a lower risk investment. Is that correct?
2: Great, great point. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's super attractive about uh, kind of indexed investing is that you're not really trying to pick the winners and losers. That's really, really hard to do, even for people who you know, have spent years and years doing it. And most academics would say that's borderline impossible to do consistently over the long term. Um, so buying one of each um, of each company is some, some companies are going to do really well and some are going to go bankrupt. But instead of having all your, your eggs in one basket in one company, effectively, you're spreading it out over the entire, right. uh, the entire company or the entire economy. Uh, one of the ways that's been explained to me that was really helpful was, you um, it's like going to, uh, you know, a small downtown area of a, of a city and saying, hey, I want to bet on this single restaurant, um, you know, 50 years from now, you know, what are the chances of that restaurant being there? I don't know, probably pretty slim for sure. most, you know, small town restaurants. But if I wanted to bet that restaurants are going to be in that city, <laughs> yes. 50 years from now, like I would rather have one little section of every restaurant. Some of them are going to do well, some of them are going to go out of business. Uh, but I love that analogy because essentially you're not trying to pick the specific winner because that's really hard over a long period of time. Sure. But just saying, hey, overall, I think that um, I'm, I'm confident that over a long period of time, the, the companies uh, in the U.S. and in the world are going to do well. Um, so the idea of index investing, so a total stock market uh, index investment is my primary go-to personally. And then also uh, for most young investors, that's a single stop to kind of get broad diversification, Um, If people want to kind of play around with individual stocks and picking, you know, their favorite companies, I would generally recommend doing that with a very small portion of someone's income and do it more for fun than true wealth building.
1: Is this something that I mean, I feel for most of our listeners, they aren't really um, experts in the area of financing. So say they do one of the index funds and they just kind of spread everything out. Um, Would they need help from an advisor to, for example, if there was an opportunity to be like, hey, these companies are doing really well right now, you should put more money in these. Um, is that something they would have to keep an eye on themselves or would they get the help of an advisor to know when to invest more?
2: That's a fantastic question as well. And it's kind of interesting because I've kind of got two hats on. So I have the academic hat and then I'm actually a, a registered investor registered advisor as well. So I do advise I would say for most uh, you know, people who are just getting started, uh, is as your, your, situations get really complicated, um, an advisor may be the right path for many people. But for most people just getting started, uh, going to a website like a TD Ameritrade or a Vanguard, we can link to some of these that are free in the show yeah, notes, sure. uh, app like a Robinhood uh, to get started. is often, it's not that much more complicated than setting up a bank account. Um, there are lots of great YouTube videos that can kind of walk through the basics of getting this set up. And just to get started, is I generally recommend people to, to attempt to do it on their own. Um, as it gets more complicated, um, it may make sense to have a professional. Um, I would say with taxes. For most people who are just getting started, uh, if they like doing taxes, it's like no one likes doing taxes. No.
0: If you do, then like, you're a serial killer. <laughs> killer <or no. laughs>
2: I like taxes. I do mine like three months early because I get all excited <laughs> about it. <them>. Oh, my <laughs>
1: gosh, Stephen. I
2: on the uh, like, kind of like with taxes, it, it for most people who are relatively young it's relatively simple. If someone gets really complicated, has a small business, has a bunch of different types nice of income, all of a sudden it's like okay, it may make sense to have a professional. I think the same thing right. with advisors. For most young people to get started, to get an investment opened up, buy an index fund, um, a couple of YouTube videos or even the walkthroughs on some of the websites um, are a pretty great way to start there. That's great. And then once someone's built up a little bit of wealth. At that point, it may make sense to to have a professional at least, you know, take a look at things and make sure you're in the right path. Yeah, this That's is great. super
1: encouraging because I feel like a lot of Uh, young adults are like, I would want to invest, but I, I don't know what to do. And I've heard about these websites that kind of cuts out the middleman so I can do it myself, but they don't trust themselves. So basically you're saying this is pretty uh, foolproof. Like,
0: yeah. And to be honest, some of us are probably afraid to ask, like we're afraid to, when people (laughs) like, I should have
1: known this already, Yeah, I'll be
0: sitting around a, you know, in in a conversation where a bunch of my friends are talking about where they're investing. And I just kind of like shrivel into a shell and I'm like, how about that game? I'm like, yeah. How, how about, (laughs) how about that rate? Uh, I put my money there. Um so this is great. This is incredibly helpful for us. Steven, uh, the bells about to ring. Class is almost out of session. What is something that all of our listeners should start doing as it relates to everything we've been talking about today? You've got, you know, 30 seconds before the class is, is out. What is something we should all start doing?
2: Oh man. I think the biggest the biggest thing that everyone out there listening is to to have a plan. Have a conversation with yourself with your significant other, uh, maybe it's with your parents, whomever it is, uh, have a plan. So understand, basically, take the time uh, to figure out where you are. And that may be opening mail that you don't want (laughs) to open, maybe make you nervous, but really outlining exactly where you are. And then really trying to figure out, um, you know, hey, if I could make a dream world in 10 years from now, what what would I, what would change? What would I like my life to look like ten right. years from now? Uh, and once you've established, hey, where you are and where you want to get to, actually coming up with the steps there, you've already done a lot of the hard work. So if I had a recommendation, you know, classes out, if you could take one thing away, it's have a plan. Figure out where you are, and then as best as possible, where you want to get to. And yeah. you, you value, you've done much more than most people um, out there when it yeah, comes to their personal.
0: That's great. Control. Now the the flip side of that, Stephen. What is something that you would recommend all of uh, us and listeners stop doing as it relates to money?
2: Oh man, stop borrowing money on uh, things that go down in value, <laughs> especially dogs. Uh, no. I'm a dog person, so uh, maybe the cat people will say, you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'll finance a cat. But uh, I think um, I think for a lot of people, they they spend more than they when they when they borrow money. Um, on consumable items. They tend to spend a little bit more than they would if they were paying cash. And I just see the flip side of that years down the road and it it can make me sad. So um, I would say that would be, um, that would be kind of my, not that fun answer, but uh, yeah, Yeah. uh, that would be the one. Um, I don't meet many people who uh, have a lot of wealth and are debt free and uh, upset about it. Right. Yeah.
0: Stephen, is there anything that you have left unsaid that you want to add um, for our listeners?
2: Uh, I think I mean if somebody's made it this far in the conversation, I'm proud of you. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of terminology. Um, I would say um, don't be afraid to ask or learn. There are a yeah. lot of great books out there. There are a lot of good web series, YouTube videos that um, that can kind of help you just take you from where you are just a little bit further down the road. Um, it's also um, it's also tricky because you know asking about this stuff in some areas is so taboo to ask or talk about money. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of ways just to to get, even if you just get a little bit more education, even if you're talking to people about it, your person is doing your 401k or your family, we're just having a little bit more information. Um, it's, it's rarely harmful there. So, yeah. um, taking the time to, to listen to things like this, um, to find resources. Um, and the more you learn about money, um, very few people are uh, disappointed that they know right. more about money than they did. Yeah. Uh, right. For sure.
0: And then something we like to ask all of our guests, how much money do you make? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
2: Well, I, well actually, I could, the funny thing about this is I'm a government... <laughs> So you can go with my
1: stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, googling that. Amazing,
0: nice. um, Stephen. On that note, I'm sure that you get tons of emails, calls, and you know from students all the time. But if our listeners would uh, would like to connect with you in any way, or perhaps you know reach out for some of the, your services that you provide for your financial planning, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, I'll maybe cross my fingers on this. I don't know if this will be a disaster or not. It could be fun. I actually love hearing from people, um, and so uh, uh, but I'll throw the email out there. Um, and it's just my last name, uh, Kuzniak at UGA.edu. Great. And uh fingers crossed that doesn't explode, but if it does, <laughs> I have a lot of fun with it. Um, I love answering questions. Um, I love big audiences and uh I've talked to I've had thousands of students. So i I love seeing emails from all different people, the most basic questions to the most complex.
0: That's great. Um love it. That's
1: great. Is well, that also where they can reach out to you if they want to use your um services for your advising services?
2: Yeah, I think that would be a great place to start. Okay. More often than not, um, I'll probably, you know, hey, say here, you know, here's a DIY option. Here's where to go to do it for free. Sure. Uh, if somebody has really complex questions, um, I can definitely find them in the right spot.
0: Sure. And um, as as a reminder, we're going to include all of Stephen's information in our show notes, as well as all the resources that he mentioned. He mentioned some tools, some websites, some books. Those are going to be in our show notes as well. So make sure you check those out. Also, a couple things. Uh, if you want to connect with us further, you can follow us on our Instagram at Gen Y Podcast. That's at G E N W H Y Podcast. You can send us an email at, info at genypodcast.com and you can get connected with us as well. And
1: as always, uh- Feel free to share this episode with any of your friends who you think may have some similar questions. And if you rate us, it's easier for other people to find us in their podcast feed.
0: That's true. Um, Stephen, this conversation has been incredibly helpful. For, I mean, we have a page full oh my gosh, of notes.
1: So much information just for ourselves. And seriously, I think this is so wonderful for our listeners because this can be overwhelming. And for for people who don't love numbers as much as you, uh, it can it can feel not fun. But But I know even as like a Peter Pan myself that while it wasn't fun to learn to become financially responsible, I have more fun now because I got responsible. And now when I do have extra income, I don't have I just don't have to worry anymore. And you can have so much more fun with your life when you're no longer worrying about money. It's
0: true. Stephen, thank you for lending us your time and your wisdom, and answering all of our stupid questions. Mm-hmm. And we're just incredibly grateful <laughs> for you.
1: And you're you're technically you're you're on faculty at a college, so basically we just did learn this in school.
0: That's true. We technically did. Look at us. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: You you're good to go. Yes. Yes. We did. We got
1: plus.
0: Awesome, Stephen. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you guys next week for another episode of the Generation Y podcast.